We're sitting here today with uh, Bloody F Mess. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, my friend. Um, I suppose yes stands for Francis. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> uh, what do they say in stripes? Don't call me Francis. <laughs> Francis, the talking mule. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh, hey, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Hi, how you doing, buddy? Good. My my freaking phone won't work. Uh, video won't work for some reason, so that's a bummer. But we got the audio. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> yeah, it's good to meet you, man. You too, bro. I, and I go by Bloody Buddy. Is just the name because Facebook wanted my license to for me to use the name Bloody F Mess. They said we need your ID. I said I said my real name is Buddy Mess, and I just make fun of my own name. It's just a joke. And they said, okay, you can use that name. We don't need your ID. So I, had, I got stuck with Buddy Mess, and everybody thinks that's my name, but it's not. <laughs> so uh, you're you're getting ready to do a 40th anniversary CD. Yeah, we're doing an album. Uh, it's in progress now. I've got about 10 of the 16 songs. Uh, the music is already done and uh, working on the uh, writing the lyrics of the other ones now and waiting for a few more songs to come over. And you recorded uh, your Moans cover while you're in Scotland? I did. Yeah, back in September, we did uh, Chasing the Night with uh, Gordon Anthony from the band Holocaust. So how'd you end up going there to do that? Uh, at the time, I was managing one of the ex-Bay City Rollers, and I stayed at his house for a couple of weeks. And uh, Richie Ramone was in town, so we went to see Richie. And I, my, I had this great dream of having a Bay City Roller and a Ramone together on an album with me. And um, they all agreed. Well, at the last minute, some other stuff came up that wouldn't make it happen, basically. So I went ahead and did it myself. So I did the vocals, and Gordon from uh, Holocaust did the music. Um. So was that uh, Pat McGlynn then you're talking about? Yes. Okay, so that's how you got on the tribute album? Uh, I'm the one that put out the tribute album. I was the executive producer. It was my idea. And I'm the one that like went after each of the bands and put it together and found the artist to design the cover art and distributed it. Yeah, that was all my baby on my record label, Fanatic Records. So... Why don't we take a little break here, listen to a little bit of your music. Here's Psychic Vampire from Bloody Mess and the New Disease. Of. 
I'm uh, out in Ashland, Oregon, about 10 miles from the Northern California border. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm out in the and, uh, Mountains. Okay, you been there a while? Uh, about 12 years. Yeah. What's the best place to play out there? Um, well, this place is pretty small. The towns out here are really small. So if you're going to come this way and play a show, best place is probably Medford or Grants Pass, Oregon. Okay. Uh, how many albums you got out? I've got nine, nine full length albums. And uh, next year will be my 40th. So I'm marking that with my 10th album and probably my final, depending on the level of, you know, <laughs> where we're at in the world in the next five years, because I usually do a record about once every five, four or five years. Right. And All right. Gonna record, uh, you're going to record that one in L.A., you said? Well, the, the thing about this record is I'm not doing it with an actual band. Every single, well, my ex-guitar player from my band, the Transfusions, he sent over 13 songs for me that were completely ready to go, write the lyrics, title them, and they're yours. So I picked out nine of those and um, had a couple self that were like custom made for me as well. And then the rest of them are being sent in by other individuals. So all the music will be sent to me. And then they all go down to Los Angeles to Kitten Robot Studios. And the great Paul Rossler uh, is the one that has you know, produced my last couple of albums. So he's going to have me down there in September to do all the vocals at one time. So it's a little different this time. Yeah, so nice uh, you can go on tour? I doubt if I'll tour. I don't really have a band anymore. I kind of retired from touring about three years ago. Uh, I, did, I did a show in March of 2020 for my, my birthday at the time. And then I did a show last September here in, in Ashland, Oregon, opening for Richie Ramone with a band I put together for fun. But uh, other than that, I doubt if I'll tour and I doubt if I'll play with bands. But I do intend on uh, keeping doing music and music videos and things like that. Okay. So uh, you mentioned your name, and uh, so it's just a you're making fun of your own name. Yeah, the thing is, is uh, you know how Facebook is, man. They want to know everything about you. And a long time <laughs> ago, a long time ago, uh, I told them that my name was uh, Bloody F Mess, and they they're like, "Well, we can't. That's not your legal name." I said, "Well, my legal name's Bu Buddy Mess," and I'm just making fun of it. That's all. And they said, "Okay, you can leave it as Buddy." And I'm like, "Great." So now everybody in the world thinks that I go by the name Buddy, but I don't. <laughs> I screw myself, man. <laughs> yeah, Facebook is a bit ridiculous, when, especially when it comes to bands. I mean, it's like you know, everything is a challenge just really to share is. stuff, you know. It really is, man. Yeah, they go out of the way. And, you know, probably unless you pay that $75, uh, you know, payment every time you want to promote something, then, you know, then they'll be on your side, I guess. Yeah, that's how everything seems to work, doesn't it? It was yeah. easier when you could pay two bucks and put a little classified in the back of Maxim Rock and Roll. It was a, yeah, amen to those days. It was fun, <laughs> man. God, I love those classifieds. I lived in those classifieds at Flipside and MRR. Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I think that's how I first heard of you. Yeah, you know, I used to do a lot of ads. I used to put a lot of ads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh you know, we have this thing on here. We do a lot of beer tastings and all that. And uh, so we ask everybody, uh, what's your favorite beer? You know what? I don't drink, man. I haven't drank in like almost 10 years. So I guess I'll have to say root beer. <laughs> Good for you then. Well, that's great. Yeah, so I was an root alcoholic. A&W? For, uh, as far as, I don't even know really. I don't really have a favorite brand, to be honest. I was just being a smart ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> IBC, baby. <laughs> no, I smoked my weed, man, like a fish. Matter of fact, I got a quick story, guys. Uh, a friend of mine had to go. A friend of mine had to go get a urine test, and they needed somebody's urine that didn't have drugs in it, right? So they said, "Well, we know Bloody doesn't do drugs, but he smokes some weed." And the doctor said, "It's okay because weed's legal. That's fine. It can be in your your blood." So I volunteered to give this person my urine, right? And they came back with a paper saying it was bright red, and it said. Uh, this person, whoever's urine this is, they need to see a toxicologist because in 37 years of business, we've never seen this much cannabis in anybody's bloodstream ever. <laughs> so, I'll send you uh, in my piss. <laughs> so I, I don't drink, but I make up for it with smoking copious amounts of whatever I can. <laughs> as long as it's not crack or meth. <laughs> right. So uh, who, who do you think your biggest influences are for music? Oh, gosh. Wendy O. Williams, vocally. 
There you uh, go. Probably uh, Darby Crash a little bit, Alice Cooper a little bit, Jim Morrison a little bit, um, Stiv Bader's and Iggy Pop without a doubt. Those are probably my biggest. Well, I don't think you mentioned anybody I don't listen to on a regular <laughs> basis. So, uh, yeah, that's good. Thanks, man. Uh, so uh, you, you don't do any shows at all? No, I, I host a radio show that I've been doing for 23 years that's syndicated. So I'll be doing that tonight. And that's how I kind of get my kicks by playing punk rock and rock and roll on the radio. Um, it's pretty much, for the most part, uncensored. I mean, I, they, with those FCC guidelines, I can't say bad words, but I can play whatever music I want pretty much. Um, okay. But yeah, as far as the band thing, I got kind of burned out on it, man. It's The way they make things nowadays, like even Chrissy Hine from The Pretenders recently came out and said, I just did a tour where I lost money for the first time ever. So oh, it's wow. just not the same uh, how it used to be. The landscape has changed for musicians. And I really don't want to be at nearly age 60, not that it's old, but I really don't want to go to band practice. <laughs> <laughs> Or a bunch of guys half my age are doing coke and drinking booze and having problems that I had back then. You know, I'm done with that crap, man. So is that the reason you said so, uh, used to get uh, kicked out of clubs and banned from clubs? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean specifically, Tuna? Uh, the drugs and well, and you know, I never back then. It was never really a drug problem for me. It was always it was always an alcohol problem. I didn't really get into drugs as heavy as most people think, or as many as most people I know did. Not that I didn't do drugs because I did, but I did alcohol. That was my thing from 1983 to like nine years ago. I was a, you know, major alcoholic. Oh, wow. So what's, what's the radio show called? Uh, the radio show is called the church of rock and it started a uh, Halloween night of 1999 and it's been on eight stations across the country and it's still going on KSKQ radio in Ashland, Oregon now for like I think about six, seven years, maybe. Is there a way for people not in Oregon to hear that? Well, it's, a, it's, it's actually, we have more listeners in, uh, across the country in the world than we do in Oregon. We have like 15, different, uh, I won't say 15, I'll say eight different countries that every time we go on the air, I get an email from Japan, Scotland, Australia, Canada, Japan, you know, England. Um, there's one other one too. And they're just regulars. So it's, I'm pretty blessed that way because when I started the show, we had uh, – live streaming back in 1999 it had just started so oh, every wow. station i've been on has had live streaming so people have been able to follow me that knew about the show since 99 so we have some people that every sunday they're there before i am i'll get like 30 text messages before the show can't wait to see you in church church of rock you know so it's a, quite the community that's built up man and i'm pretty proud of it so were you ordained before you did the radio show or after uh, good question. I was in radio for about oh four years, and then I ended up in Bloomington, Illinois, on the air doing uh, six days a week, six to midnight. And uh, my general manager at the time, Patty Donsbach, awesome lady, she said, you know, you're so irreverent and so just controversial and wild. She goes, why don't you go ahead and uh, since you go by the name Reverend Derek Moody, why don't you go ahead and get legally ordained? Because, you know, the Church of Rock, Reverend Moody is the name I go by. The whole thing's kind of a play on words. But she talked me into going through the universal, you know, life church. I got legally ordained. And my first wedding was a mass wedding where we had 13 couples at a bowling alley. And we called it Lover's Lane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so all of the press came. uh, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS came. We didn't expect it. But the entire press came out like for this mass wedding by this crazy goofball radio DJ. And it was really awesome. And I've done, I guess, three dozen since then. Oh, wow. Any of them still married? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know what? Uh, I think it's about uh, three fourths of them are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not bad. Yeah, hopefully um, I didn't. Why don't you come over here and, and marry me and Tuna, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd probably do anything for the right amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in it for the alimony, so eventually the divorce will happen, you know. That's a bullpark. I think this will be a good time for another little break here. Let's hear some more music. How about Bloody Mess and the Hollow Bodies? With one of my favorites, my black little for my black little hearts. Yeah. 
That was one of the best rock oh, shows I've seen in my life. You, you think those guys would be all burned out? I saw Judas Priest right before that, and I was like, God, these guys walk through the show. They're all millionaire metalheads with teleprompters and the stage, you know, stage show. And then you go see Anvil in a club with like 50 people, and it's just like it's 1983 again. Those guys are out there <laughs> right in the middle of the floor starting the show with the people, sweating. <laughs> playing like they did when we were all 18 or 20. I, I'm not kidding you. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is one of the best shows ever. Oh, wow. I love Anvil. Nice. Did you see the movie? Oh, yeah. Loved yeah. it so much. And I got to interview Lips right after that, too. So I'm like a big Anvil nut. Not oh, a big metal guy, but I love uh, certain metal bands. Well, over the years, I know you worked with a lot of different people, like from Gigi Allen to Pat McLinn to West Beach. Uh, who is your favorite you worked with and who would you like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, good question. Well, <laughs> my favorite person to work with is West Beach of the Plasmatics. He's, uh, that's one of my very first favorite bands ever from the you know, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, Wendy and I were good friends, actually. We like wrote letters to each other, postcards, talked on the phone. So West Beach was always a hero of mine on guitar. And um, back in, um, I don't even know what year, my memory's pretty bad. He and I co-wrote a song together that it was this plasmatic song that he brought to Wendy that for some reason didn't get used on one of their albums. So he asked me if I wanted it. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So I titled it uh, Rock and Roll Scallywag and I wrote the lyrics and there's a music video up on YouTube now. But right now, Wes is actually recording a song because on that song, Rock and Roll Scallywag, my buddy Dave Glover 
played all the music, but he, he interpreted the song because we didn't yet have technology like we do now. So now West Beach is in the studio, literally creating a song for my new album with just him on all the instruments. So I'm extremely excited about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm a big so still got the mohawk. Uh, no, he's got the long, really long white hair. What, what about the tutu? He still got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Richie's thoughts. You know, I actually interviewed Richie uh, back in the days of the Bloomington I Rock show, out 2002 or three. I interviewed Richie, and it's nice to see that he's still around, man. I don't know if he still right. wears the tutu or not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was I, I was been a fan of that band for quite a while. Not just because of the tits or nothing either, but you know, right? <laughs> lyrically, lyrically, and, and conceptually, they were like uh, one of a kind, and there's never been another band like the Plasmatics. Yeah, they, they were, were great, man. Sh- sawing cars in half with a fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, I got King to see Saul. them play. I got to see them play three or four times. And every time I saw them play, I was on mass amounts of LSD. And it was like one of the craziest experiences in my life. Every time I saw them, I'm like, there's no better band. Oh my God. The stuff they did on stage, the sexual vibe, the violent vibe, the, they would, the lights would go out and there'd be like a, thin line across the entire auditorium with one line in light it'd say stop gestapo tactics and stuff like that we'd be like yes you know burn that car smash that fucking tv set you know (laughs) yeah it's a shame she uh she went and uh offed herself man uh you know i definitely would have loved to see them but uh you know yeah it's a damn shame well, you know, her, her guy was Rod Swenson, who was the guy that started the band and wrote all the lyrics for all the songs. He came up with the entire concept. But, uh, you know, he sure picked a, a hell of a crew because those people were amazing. Wendy was one of yep. the best and most underrated vocalists in music. No one ever says much about her vocals. But, man, if you listen to all those records, her voice is one of the very best, man, you know. And uh, he took her away from it. Rod became a... Uh, a professor over in stores in Connecticut where he's still at and he took Wendy and decided they were going to retire from the business and she I think might have been bipolar I'm not sure but she was very sad and she told uh, the world basically that I just don't enjoy life without doing music that's the only high I ever enjoyed and her being a sober person into health stuff and yoga and all that caring for animals she just couldn't have any find any pleasure in this place you know and while I totally am sad about it and it's completely depressing, I can relate to totally to how she felt, you know, she was just right. not going to let life dictate her misery. And she said in her note, when she left, I don't think anyone else should do how I'm doing it, but I assure you, I'm not going out sad, but I'm not going out happy. She just wasn't happy. So she said, I'm leaving here, you know, and it is incredibly depressing though. Yeah. Another, uh, fact about um the plasmatics is i think that richie was the first one to uh, have a, a mohawk on stage wasn't he you know i think that uh her, i think her and wendy and darby crash are the three contenders I'm, i'd have to do some history because i think wendy and richie and somebody was arguing about the darby crash did but i think you might be right man it might have been richie or, or wendy one of the two yeah, I was watching something, and they, uh, they said somebody came up to him and said they'd like to uh, give him this uh, award or whatever. I don't know. Uh, you know, But uh, they said that you were pretty much the first person to have a mohawk on stage. And he said, yeah. And they asked him, well, you know, what was your reasoning on doing it? He said, well, man, I was li- I'm standing next to this uh, bass player, and he's sitting, he's Chinese, and he looks like he's a kung fu fighter. <laughs> so he said, I needed, to, I needed to freak myself up. I needed to, you know, razz myself up. <laughs> I mean, it's some edge. Right. Well, I think you're right, though. I have heard that the plasmatics were connected with the first Mohawk. So you're probably right, man. I think so. I mean, it's just a video I saw, so I don't really know for sure. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, though, because back then, gosh, this plasmatic started in the 70s. So and I know the Darby crash was what, what, like more late towards the late 70s. So I don't know. Yeah. Good one. You got anything (laughs) you want you want to talk about yourself? Well, I'm uh, I'm happy that the 40th anniversary album is going to be coming out. I'm hoping for uh, hopefully Christmas 2023. Um, I've got a lot of guests on it, though, a whole lot of guests. I'm doing a lot of comp- uh, collaborations with about half the album. Uh, I've got Jordan Longmere on the album. His father is the band that started the Bay City Rollers. And we're doing a great cover of Baby, Please Don't Go. And um, we also have West Beach of the Plasmatics, uh, you know, 
just working with so many great people. It's, it's incredible. Uh, I'm working with a lot of people from my past as well on this album. So that's going to be incredible. Uh, you know, Eric Von Bell from the Sadistic Cowboys, a lot of other good groups, you know, that's the thing. And right now, if somebody wants to check out the very first single from the album that's on YouTube, it's uh, my version of the Ramones Chasing the Night. And uh, yeah, it's out there right now. Okay. Um, so is that going to be on your label or Black and yeah, Blue? Well, or? You know, I haven't, I don't really deal with Black and Blue Records anymore. I was with them from 87 till about 2010. So quite a stretch. But yes. yeah, I've, we've kind of, we've kind of moved on from each other. Uh, they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine and I wish them nothing but the best. But uh, yeah, I, as of now, I'm probably going to release it myself because these days there's not really any need for a middleman, um, you know, plus uh, I won't say anything about record labels. I just want to <laughs> say it. But um, yeah, probably unless somebody offers, which happens quite frequently, I've only had to pay for two albums out of nine. So you never know. Somebody might reach out and say, hey, I want to put out your album. And so I'm definitely down to listen. But if not, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. You've already done all the work, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And like I say, it's the first album that I'm not actually going in with the actual band for each song. So it's going to be quite different this time. And to be honest, I'm kind of enjoying that process because I can sit here and write lyrics all day long. And I've got like nine songs that I can play the music for right now and sing right along with it. I know the words. And as soon as I record it, it'll come together. And then I'm going to probably slap together a couple new music videos. Okay. So do you have the same person do your videos every time? You know, we've done about seven or eight of them now, and most of them have been done by a guy in uh, central Illinois named Michael Garrett. He was amazing. Uh, he's super amazing, actually, as a musician and a, and a videographer. But I've also worked with other people, too, as well. Um, and I think for the one we're doing in Los Angeles, Ron Huff is going to be working with me. Who did? Uh, he's got Tunnel 13 films, and he's done quite a few movies. I've actually acted in a couple of his films. Uh, independent films over the years so i think we'll do one in la in september not sure which song yet though we're actually doing a tribute to michael monroe on the album from hanoi rocks as well so i might do a video music video about michael i don't know oh nice nice um last night we're sitting around and my daughter's playing taylor swift and then some other country song so i had to put hungover and stone on there for him <laughs> nice which version the scabs or the transfusions it was the scabs. Ah, the original I think that's version. That's one that was on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that's the original one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, my wife's like, "Wow, I didn't expect him to sound like that." <laughs> you should hear. You should hear the transfusions version. It's actually recorded the way it was supposed to be. No offense to the guys that did the original version at all, but mm -hmm. later I decided I wanted to re-record that with like honky tonk piano and like glass breaking, like like an actual bar sounds. And if you listen to the bloody and the transfusion version of, of hungover and stoned to me, it's just like a masterpiece of what those guys did musically. I love it. Dave Moe okay. gets all the credit. Yeah. See, I've always listened to a little seven inch. So that's what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it messed with people's heads because I've recorded a hungover and stone twice. I've recorded empty three times. And it's just, you know, these songs have like their own popularity. So, you know, one guy just recorded hungover and stone for his new album. It was just put out and, like seven bands in the country right now I know are covering the song Empty. It's just weird. Oh, and yeah. then one day, Pat McGlynn of the Rollers said to me, hey, bloody, can I record your uh, song Empty? I'm like, what a trip. It just keeps happening. So I went to um, Scotland to hang out, and we ended up you know, doing that song Empty together before that. So Empty's also on YouTube with me and Pat sharing the vocal duties, another third version of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite songs i'm sure a lot of people say that <laughs> you know i've gotten letters in the mail about that song over the last 30 years or 35 40 years and one guy told me he got through a divorce because of it another guy got through grief because of it another guy just all these crazy stories about that song and i really quite frankly don't understand uh my my my, my girl tells me the song is one is a beautiful song it, it resonates with people it's it hits people mm -hmm. in a weird deep way i don't know why but it does i don't know why so uh, you, the, mentioned, uh, you mentioned that you had a record label. So what's yeah. the name of the record label? Uh, the record label is called Fanatic Records. And, and we started the label in 1997 uh, in Illinois. And over the years, we released a few things and then kind of let it go. And then I resurrected it a few years back. And now we've put out several releases in the last three years. And um, we've got some new stuff coming out on the label soon, actually, which is exciting. 
Uh, Drayton Sawyer just came out with their CD. Uh, the Sadistic Cowboys CD came out. And I'm pretty sure my album will be on that label as well, depending on if uh, somebody reaches out or not. But yeah, it's, it's, it's got its own Facebook page, Fanatic Records. Uh, it's a fun Thank label. You. And thanks. Shout out to Austin Vice for creating my uh, cool logo. Uh, any other bands that you want to name drop that's uh, on that label? Um, well, back in the day, we released uh, the, the Psychedelics and the Banes 7-inch uh, on there. Uh, there's a couple of compilation albums called Concrete and Cornfields, uh, music from Illinois. There's tons of great, great <laughs> talent on there. But um, we're also looking at maybe put, putting out a single by, the, by Lisa Leathers out of central Illinois. She's a, like a super awesome underground independent rocker from Illinois that's going to be on my new album as well, doing a collab. But she's talking about putting out a seven inch on the label down the road. So that could happen. Oh, nice. Don't get her messed up with a uh, leather Tuscadero, right? <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that. I actually got to interview Susie Quattro a couple of years ago, and uh, she was no in her shit. back garden. And it was one of the only times I used the same format you guys are using with video. And uh, so there's there's Susie Quattro sitting in her backyard getting sloshed on wine, and there I am smoking a big fat doobie. So I'm like sitting here going, I am literally partying with Susie Quattro. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. that's wild, man. Leather Tuscadero was so hot. I remember being a kid just going, God, I want a girl just like that when I grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still do. <laughs> Good one. Let's see. Yeah, I, I, I think she like wholeheartedly definitely influenced the, all of those runaways. <laughs> you know, yeah, you like, know, the I runaways think... wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Susie, man. Oh, Joan Jett definitely took, and I, nothing against Joni. I love her dearly and a you know, matter of many times, but Joni uh, definitely and it probably admittedly took most everything from Susie Quattro. Her look, oh, yeah. her sound, dress like her, yeah, all kinds her of her hair, everything. But you know, that's not that's not like a knock because she took it and made her own sound, obviously, you know. But yeah. gosh, I, lo- I love Joan Jett. She's probably one of my very favorite artists in the world. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. She's just as good as she was. When I seen her back in the eighties. <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot of people really that are, that live the life of rock and roll. There's people that dress cool on the weekends or they dress up when they go on stage. But people like Michael Monroe, people like uh, Joan Jett, people like West Beach, those people that wake up and they put on those clothes because that's just their skin, man. That's how they are. They, right, they yeah. breathe it, they live it, and that's the way I live. You know, I don't I don't ever leave the house unless I look exactly how I want to look. Life's too short to go around looking like uh, the good old days are over with. Fuck that. I love that Joan Jett still walks around wearing leather and looks just like she did back in the 80s. It's awesome that some things never change. Yes. Absolutely. You know, Speaking of changes, freak- how did your move go? Oh, man. Uh, can you say nervous breakdown? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still moving, man. It's been about 10 days. I'm the third day in my new house right now, and... Uh, that the worst part is just trying to decipher where everything's at because I moved in such a hurry to get out of there. I oh, lived in a yeah. closet. I lived in a house the size of like your kitchen for like six years, man, oh, with wow. my my chick and my dog. It's just uh, unbelievable. So now we're in a proper home, and it's just like almost amazing to be here. Okay. So, uh, how old's your dog? My dog, she's good. She's nine years old now, and a little corgi terrier, jet dog. She's kind of known for being pretty much with me 24-7. I take her everywhere I go. No matter, and if I can't take her, I don't, I don't go. So oh, that's man. just the way it works, yeah. Is there a lot of pet-friendly places in Oregon? Uh, there's a lot of dog lovers here, even though it's kind of weird. When you go to get a place, it's almost impossible because nobody wants you to have a dog, yet everybody you see has a dog. So it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of strange. I don't know. I'm just a total dog guy. My dog's my best friend, you know? Yeah, we have cats, so <laughs> well, yeah. dogs are like another uh, kid, you know. They are like another kid, and you know, I I raised my daughter uh, Audrey, who's gosh, going to be thirty this year. But um, and I also have a forty-year-old daughter too. But my dog is very much like my kid was as at about age, I don't know, five or six. <laughs> oh, well, it looks like we're getting ready to run out of time. It's going to shut us off in like three minutes. Is there anything well, else you want to talk about before we wind it down? 
Not really, man. I just want to say thank you guys, both you guys, Kenny and Tuna, for taking the time to want to chat with a guy like me, man. I mean, I really do appreciate that. And uh, I don't take it for granted. I don't get hit up a whole lot these days. So that means a lot to me that you're helping me promote my music and that you give a damn. Thanks a lot for checking out Punk Up the Airways interview with Bloody Mess. Make sure you check out his Facebook page for updates on his new upcoming album. And we're going to leave you with a few more songs from him, starting off with this same old time.
Be 